Unlocking. What was cool? Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, what the hell is fruitcake? There's no consistency with any recipe and what is in each one. All I know is that there's no fruit gushers in fruitcake, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big miss, but we're live, Neil. Huge miss. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Fruitcake is so interesting because, like like I said before, you can just buy one straight from the grocery store. It's got whatever the hell those little colorful fruity things are. They're not gushers, that's for sure, but they look like gushers. And then you have these fruitcakes that my mom make that, that require 10 pounds of fruit, 5 pounds of nuts, and 3 days to let it dry. I don't know. <laughs> They also weigh like 100 pounds and yes, could probably kill a man with them. Easily. Give you diabetes, that's for sure, if you ate the whole one. But something I learned this week, Mike, about Christmas in general, it is now December, welcome to the month of the holidays, is that Americans don't have Christmas crackers and paper crowns. Is that true? That is true. I learned this and I was what? I was blown away for the 70% of people who listen to us from the US of A. Uh, you don't have paper cracker or Christmas crackers, but I'll... I'll explain what those are. Basically, they're these things that you you pull on either end and get the big sound and uh, you you break it open. And inside there is usually like maybe a little game or something that would come in like a Kinder Egg, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, and in every single one, there's always a colorful paper crown that you put on your head as you're eating Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do this for Thanksgiving as well. Any any holiday, uh, uh, Christmas cr- crackers are definitely uh, good for. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun time. And I, I don't know, they look nice, I guess. It's just something that I grew up with. Uh, most mm-hmm. of my Canadian friends uh, who celebrate also uh, grew up with that in some way. And uh, and it was really funny to talk to some Americans and have they had no idea what I was talking about. Really? I, I really didn't know that. I thought that there was a, just an American, or I thought it was a, I think it's a European thing. It's a British like, thing. As I yeah, I was going to say British makes the most sense. So uh, it makes sense that it came over to Canada. I did not know that it was not an American thing. I'm sure there's some Americans out there that find them or maybe import sure. them or do what we do when we go down to the States and get Cakesters. They're coming up here to get Christmas crackers. But um, so as an adult, I didn't know that this whole thing was going on because I, I was a kid and wasn't paying attention. But Christmas cracker, um, I guess, culture in your family i mean is so fierce that like someone mentions i'm bringing the christmas crackers or like they're like don't bring christmas like like my mom and her (laughs) and her sister will like like just talk about like who's bringing the christmas crackers i remember this and it was like whoever eventually they came to an agreement where it was like whoever's hosting does the goddamn christmas you should yeah (laughs) but like sometimes like you'd bring you know you bring a bottle of wine you'd bring you know a cake or dessert or an appetizer and you you bring christmas crackers and then be like what the hell are you doing bringing the christmas crackers i bought the christmas crackers and it was this whole thing and and you're it's it's i had them every year as well usually at christmas and New Year's. Those are the two holidays that we did them. And as an adult, I like to have a non-verbal competition with who's going to keep their crown on the longest. Mm. You, you never mention it, but I always try and be the last one to keep my crown on. Me too. Me too. Me yeah. and my cousin also kind of do that. We we don't look at each anything. other dead in the eyes, reading right. turkey and just <laughs> <laughs> waiting for one of us to blink. Is it getting itchy? Is your hat getting itchy? As a kid, though, they never fit because they're just these massive paper crowns that don't fit children. Yeah. Um, so it's over your eyes by the time you're eating a, a dinner roll. But as an adult, they fit perfectly. Um, and then there's always a bad joke or a riddle in them. And then the toy that inevitably gets thrown away. Christmas crackers are so cool. I wish we had them at more times of the year, but. Nope, just Christmas. Just Christmas. Another thing I learned on the Christmas slash Americans don't have side of things uh, was black currant. Apparently, black currant the flavor is just not a thing in the U.S. Like, like the fruit in general, or just like as a flavor option. It's not really that. I don't see black currant that. Fr- no, frequently. I don't see it that frequently either. Either, but uh, but I um that this th- now this was a very individual. Th- this was just one person telling me this. Now I don't know if this is true. Maybe they just had no idea. 
what Black Current was, please write in. Let me know if uh, Americans do indeed know what Black Current is and have Black Current as a uh, as a as a flavor. But I do know they don't have Christmas crackers. That one, that one, I researched. I did my job. <laughs> I, I, I Neil, I can only research so much for each episode. All right. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't remember the last time I had Black Current anything. To be honest with jam. you, I feel like I like Black Current jam. I, I you do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! How dare you, Mike? But it is the first episode of the month, which, uh, as Ooh. is tradition, we need to uh, we need to read some uh, fan mail. So with that, I think it's time for our favorite segment. It's time for the mailbag. mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into our mailbag segment, you can do so by writing us a review on any of the podcast services that you listen to us on, or you can send us a nice, friendly DM on Discord, Facebook, Instagram. We will read your message on the podcast, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. We got lots here, Neil. The mailbag is nice and full. We got Andrew from Spotify saying, In the UK, I remember around 2006, teens were either emo listening to MCR or they were a chav listening to N-dubs. Looking back, glad I was neither the way people pretending they had a hard life. <laughs> awesome. That's oh, I think awesome. that's funny. Thank you so much, Andrew. That's amazing. From the UK, too, 2006. Mm-hmm. What's N-dubs? Is that dubstep? No. I don't know. That's too early for dubstep. Yeah, it's, I feel like too early. There's so many, there's so many little, little, uh, little nuances here that I don't entirely know. Ch- chav, like I know a Chad. So is this a Chad listening to Creed? Basically, is that what he's saying? Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's what he's saying. I don't know. Next we have Jagan on Spotify who says, "Awesome content, man." Thanks, Jagan. That's it. I like that. Nice and short. Keep it nice, nice and, and short. Sh- Always great. <laughs> Brief. Love it. Schumer Grath seven two one two, who's written into us a bunch of times uh, and, and very appreciated of that uh, on Spotify, uh, was nice enough to actually drop their YouTube channel, saying that it is dedicated to stop motion animations. Neil, we're talking about stop motion animation today. Oh my god! Right, and he was talking about it for the Nightmare Before Christmas episode. We should do the rest of the episode whispering. That'll be really good for people at home. <laughs> ASMR, but it's it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's fun, uh, but extremely hard and time consuming. It's called Padawan Brick Studio. If you want to check it out, uh, and awesome. I wanted to say that on the show because anyone out there who is dedicated to doing stop motion animations, they need our love and support. Oh my god, yeah. Any, I love stop motion, and not enough people do it because it is hard and it is time consuming. We talked about it on the Nightmare Before Christmas episode. That movie took ten thousand years to make, and the movie <laughs> that we're gonna talk about today took another ten thousand years to make, yep. and and fifty billion photos, and and probably uh, marriages ended and lives lost and everything else. <laughs> so it's an incredibly taxing, creative endeavor to do anything uh, stop motion. And Mike and I both like to put a spotlight on it. So I'm gonna go check out that uh, that YouTube channel right now, actually. And uh, after after we're done recording, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going to check it out while we're recording. Because, um, yeah, I love anything that uh, people do. So mm-hmm. good job out there, Shuma. HMCHS Stamps, I don't know, on Discord says, Also, I love the new segment this week. I was walking through Sydney one time, and the six-foot-tall, incredibly muscular man crossed the street holding a baby under his arm like it was a log. Sus, indeed. Uh, <laughs> H Stamps is talking about uh, Mike and my segment about, uh, did they steal this? And it's always about someone just carrying something really strange, an object down the street. Uh, usually they don't look comfortable carrying it, and it doesn't look like that they're going to be carrying that object for too long. And we like our, we like to ask ourselves if they stole it. And uh, did this person steal the baby under his arm, Mike? Because that sounds rather sus. <laughs> it might just be a normal sus thing, part of our sus things. Uh, mm. That's just how he carries his kid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for writing that in on Discord. That was that made me laugh really hard because it, it just... 
you know people out there have more sus things going on in their lives, and I love hearing what other people have seen because I've seen some weird, weird stuff. So if I've mm-hmm. seen some crazy stuff, sure enough, someone has seen someone in Sydney holding a baby like a log <laughs> under <laughs> their arm. That is fantastic. Wait, is, is it under under the arm? Like I would I would carry a log over my arm. That's the thing. Like in in Sydney, mm. are you guys? It's everything reversed <laughs> in Australia, where like we carry stuff on our arm. Like in Canada, that's the Canadian way to carry a log, lumberjack style. You know, carrying right. it on top of your shoulder. But this I is carry under. a I carry a book under my arm. Mm. Like that's how I carry you know books or maybe like a surfboard if I'm going. I don't know how to surf, but you know what I mean. So I think everything in Sydney is just flipped. We need to go and find out what what all this is about. I'd like to see some people holding babies uh, uh, <laughs> under their arms and uh, and really document mm-hmm. it. But uh, our last uh, letter comes from Madison, who writes, "Hey guys, I found your podcast during the pandemic and have been listening ever since. You always seem to take some of my favorite games and somehow make them entertaining all over again. Thank you for always keeping us entertained." Wow. Thank you so much, Madison. Uh, Glad you could find us over the pandemic. That must have been during the GameCube was cool days. Um, Interested to know where you picked up on us. And uh, I always get weirded out when people say like during the pandemic, because I have no idea what that era even was. Could be any time. Yeah, I know. Like, is the pandemic over? People are still getting COVID left and right. (laughs) Like I pictured like maybe 2020 to 2022, I guess. So thank you so much for listening. That's almost Mm -hmm. two whole years of uh, being a fan. So really glad that, uh, that you're enjoying Mike and my content. I love, I love that we can keep people entertained. I love that we can can bring back a lot of this nostalgia for people and uh, and really make them remember why they love these things in the first place. And we are here today, Neil, to do exactly that for this amazing, nostalgic 2000 stop-motion animated movie. That is right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 41 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people who only cover stop-motion movies from the sounds of it. Last week, we talked about 2000s and 90s snacks that Mike and I loved from our childhood. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are back talking about another movie. Now, back in November, we talked about The Nightmare Before Christmas, and we wanted to continue that theme with another famous stop motion film from our childhood so today we are here to talk about chicken run which was released on june 23rd 2000 directed by peter lord and nick park produced by Pathé and Ardman Animations in partnership with DreamWorks, the Shrek people. Clocks in at 84 minutes, box office of $227.8 million on a $45 million budget. It is to date still the highest grossing stop motion animated movie of all time. Ah. Rates a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and it is a stop motion animated comedy. And the plot is a countryside Yorkshire farm, a chicken farm, and the plot centers around a group of British anthropomorphic chickens um, who meet an American rooster named Rocky Rhodes and their hope is to escape the farm before the owner turns them into chicken pot pies. Um, Mike, what are your memories of Chicken Run back in the day? This movie dates back 23 years now, which is scary. And I can't believe that it is actually the highest grossing stop motion animated movie of all time and never got a sequel until now. That is uh, mm-hmm. that is really interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that later when yeah. uh, we have one of our guests on. But uh, man, Chicken Run, this is a movie that was always in my mind is just one of these movies that I had such... Uh, uh, nostalgia for it like literally the definition of nostalgia i think for me was mm. chicken run like it's just one of these movies that i had seen uh so long ago i remember seeing it i i think i saw it in theaters but i'm not 100 percent sure if i didn't i saw it very very soon after we rented it or something and my parents really really loved it that was one thing i do remember i remember my parents thinking it was hilarious and enjoying it a lot with me and 
when you're like seven or eight years old, that is a big thing. Like you remember when your parents also liked things that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, when your parents uh, are watching the Pokemon movie, you're old enough to know that it's like, this is for me. This isn't for the you. This is for me. They're not going to mm-hmm. get this. But for Chicken Run, it was funny to hear them like laugh at like some of the jokes that obviously I didn't get. I just thought it was funny based on the characters and the animation and everything. Um, and uh, and uh, Mrs. Uh, Tweety hitting Mr. Tweety. That, that was what, <laughs> what made me laugh. But um, uh, it just held such a dear place in my heart. I always loved stop motion stuff. I love Wallace and Gromit, of course, and all the things that uh, Nick Park does. And... Uh, I had held it in yeah such a such a close place in my heart for so long until maybe like five years ago, when I watched it again with I want to say um, some maybe friends that friend of the show Harrison or some of our other friends watched it and I was like yeah this movie it's it's still great and I was really scared to watch it again because I I thought so fondly of it. And I've thought fondly of many things like Monster by Mistake, Neil. <laughs> and then I watched it as an adult and I was yeah. like, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a little scary. I remembered when I first watched it again and I loved it. I thought it was it was fantastic. And I was really excited to be able to and have the privilege to watch it again and actually talk about it this week. So I did watch it earlier in the week. I wrote down some great notes about it and still hits just as hard, but with more and more jokes that I, I get now and, and laugh mm-hmm. at. And uh, I was I was very happy to uh, to love it the same way I did in 2000. I love that. That's so cool. It, it, uh, it is one of these movies that stands the test of time. And I'm the same as you. I, I definitely saw it in theaters in 2000 in the summer. I would have seen it with my mom and probably my brother and sister. I mm-hmm. guess my sister would have been just old enough to see it. She only would have been four and a half, which is crazy to think about. So she might not have been there. It might have just been my mom, my brother, and I. Um, but you're right. It was one of those movies where the adults were laughing at certain scenes the kids were also laughing at, and then adults are laughing at scenes that kids aren't laughing at, and then kids are laughing at scenes that adults aren't laughing at. And that's the sign of a really good uh, family movie, in my opinion. Um, my mom especially thought it was hilarious, and she still does. Um, there was a time in my house where lines from Chicken Run were quoted on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> I remember hearing my mom say, are we going on holiday then? Almost every single day of my ch- of my childhood. Like That was just a line that she thought was was hilarious. That's and amazing. Chicken Run's a funny is a, a special movie for me because I was I was thinking about it this week and uh, a lot of my ex- my mom and my extended family are British because yes. my mom immigrated here from England and a lot of Disney movies when we were kids are British like a lot of the actors but they're not my mom's from South Wales so a lot of the English actors in Disney movies are London accents the accents around England are all very different yes and Chicken Run. Uh, specifically actually Wallace and Gromit, but Chicken Run was one of the first movies that I heard and I could hear my family in it, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, like no, the no, way totally. That, the way their accent, their exact dialect, the way that they bicker at each other, the jokes even, like I had a very Irish grandfather. I don't think there's any Irish people or Irish voice actors in Chicken Run. There's a Scottish voice actor, which is close. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the chicken that no one can understand, which is hilarious. <laughs> but they all sounded very similar to my extended family. And that was one of the first times that I could really relate to the characters in a film. Um, before Chicken Run, my, my family bought us, I forget who got it for their birthday but they got the Wallace and Gromit VHS box set which came with three VHS tapes and it was the three Wallace and Gromit shorts from the 80s I think and we watched those tapes on repeat for years 
Um, the uh, one where they go to the moon. There's one where they Wallace is like an inventor. He invents like this robot pant pair of robot pants that goes haywire. And then uh, the last one is them f- basically going up against this robot dog or something. It's very hard to explain. And then, of course, Shaun the Sheep and other franchises that popped up from that, uh, from those movies. Very popular franchise from England. Um, used to really love watching them. The characters like tea and cheese and crackers and all the stuff that my family loved. So this movie was an easy one for my mom to... Uh, to take us to um, as kids. And then we got the VHS tape for Christmas that year. And we watched it again on repeat on weekends and after school, because it's such a short film. It's only 84 minutes long. So it's easy to watch a hundred times as a kid and probably haven't seen it since I was young when I was seven or eight years old and watched it again this week and was picking up on things, like you said before, that I didn't as a kid. So it's such a rewatchable film. Um, It's animated beautifully. Uh, It took thousands and thousands of hours and thousands and thousands of photos to make it to make it all work. And as I mentioned before, this is still the highest grossing stop motion animated film, which you mentioned before, like you said, really? And I was like, yeah. And then I had to second guess myself because there have been other what I would consider stop motion films. But I think a lot of the movies nowadays are so heavily assisted by computer um, by computer AI or not AI, but just computer effects that it doesn't technically count as stop motion. Like I would think the Lego movie might've overtaken it just based on how popular those movies were a few years ago. But no, Chicken Run is still number one at 227 million, followed closely uh, by Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Coraline, Pirates in the Adventure with Scientists, Corpse Bride, uh, Paranorman is in there, Shaun the Sheep movie, Nightmare Before Christmas, which we talked about, and a lot of other films in there that are actually all made by the Nick Park Productions. They're all Fox, uh, sorry, the Shaun the Sheep movies and Wallace and Gromit movies and everything. So it's a really niche um really niche art form that movies don't usually do because it is tedious, it is stressful, it is expensive, and the movies don't typically make as much as the classically animated films do. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we've seen so few, really, Mm stop-motion franchises (laughs) and the fact that it's taken 23 years to make a sequel for this is is really evident of that. But I love the, the animation remains beautiful. In mm-hmm. that sense, though, right? Because like you're not constrained to that. Um, like you, you look at Shrek in 2001 to now. It, obviously, uh, we love Shrek, but the animation is dated mm-hmm. for sure, right? Like it's 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 dated itself. But Chicken Run looked fantastic when I was watching it this week. I was like, holy! Like I was like, wait, am I watching the 2023 <laughs> one? Like like when I first yeah. was starting. <laughs> I, I I think it's great. And 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 Chicken Run. So it was a bit of a. Um, bit of a big risk by DreamWorks. And this was actually DreamWorks's first, or sorry, second animated movie. Uh, so before Shrek, of course, coming out in 2000, Prince of Egypt mm-hmm. was their first in 1998. Did reasonably well. And um, they wanted to kind of keep going. They they worked with uh, uh, Ardman Animation. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of back and forth in terms of how they want the story to go, how long they wanted, all, all this kind of stuff. There, So there is actually quite a bit of deleted scenes because... They did change a bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the, the biggest issues that is probably pretty obvious is the fact that it is a very British film and very has a lot of uh, references and things into in it that are very British. And 
it is a bit of a um, it's a bit of a risk when you're making something like this that you are obviously targeting Americans uh, as a much bigger market for for movies and for the box office that you know it's it's you're basically making fun of Americans in this mm-hmm. movie one of the few movies that I've ever seen uh, especially as a quote unquote war movie because uh, this is yep. we'll get we'll get to that later mm-hmm. but um, uh, that where the Americans are not the heroes right really. you know like they're they're not the ones uh, who are are fixing everything it's they're instead more bumbling and uh, and more brash and they do good things but and they have good intentions but they kind of come into it with a uh, uh, uh kind of hot and heavy almost mm-hmm. and that's one thing i actually really like about this movie is that it does subvert those expectations but it must have been really really hard and those conversations were probably back and forth and a lot of bickering but they they did have a lot of uh uh good people on their side steven spielberg of course uh working with dreamworks uh was a huge fan of stop motion animation and of nick park and that was really why this movie ended up getting made and uh steven spielberg giving his stamp of approval uh on this so it's uh the history of this movie very very interesting there's a lot of stuff to break down much more than i thought when we were gonna talk about this movie i was like okay well you know it's just a fun movie right but a lot, a lot of things going on a lot of little um a lot of little Easter eggs that I can't wait to point out. There is a lot going on in this movie, and it is more than just a bunch of little plasticine chickens running around uh, trying to avoid getting turned into a chicken pot pie. And we do have another friend of the show who wants to join in today, Mike, to uh, to talk about his love of chicken run as well, just like ours. So with that, why don't you welcome our, our only caller uh, to the show? That's right, Neil. The first and last caller of the show is friend of the show, Harrison. And we haven't had him on for a long time now on the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. But of course, he's been on many, many times on the GameCube is Cool podcast, the number one guest that we had on the podcast. So we're excited to have him back today to talk about not GameCube games, but Chicken Run, which unfortunately did not get a game on the GameCube. Uh, And Harrison, of course, you are a big fan of this movie. You've seen this movie. And uh, before we actually get into talking about it, we'd like to ask you... What your preferred chicken dish is? You know, are you a chicken pot pie person? Are you a wings guy? You want some chicken nugs? Uh, what? Where, where do you stand on that? Oh, it's such a good question. Uh, I feel like that's a crutch saying that's a good question, but that actually was a, a very good question. Um, I think it really depends. I think when I'm in like a very like sports bar atmosphere, I I really crave chicken wings, either the honey garlic kind or or the buffalo. You know, living in the hammer, we're very we're very big fans of uh, buffalo flavored things. But um, if I'm in a pub, I do I do want a chicken pot pie, which I feel like goes against the whole concept of Chicken Run. But yeah, it, it, you missed the whole message, so good, man. They're 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 phenomenal. <laughs> Specifically, Mrs. Tweety's chicken pot pies. Mm. The most the most aesthetically pleasing thing, though, has to be chickens on a rotisserie in a rotisserie oven, like the spinning chickens. Like that is. Perfect. Like the smell of it too. It just makes me think of Swiss Chalet or St. Hubert. I love a good rotisserie chicken. I I was going to say, you know, if there's nothing on TV, I usually, well, these days I just kind of watch sports and like maybe a couple of things on like some streaming platforms. But, you know, if I'm, you know, feeling tired or, or bored, I just need something playing on the TV or whatever. I wish the Swiss Chalet rotisserie channel was still a thing for oh, yeah. for the Canadian <laughs> listeners. Yeah. yeah. If not, you could probably find it on YouTube. Someone's probably recorded it and you, there's like a, some 10 hour loop that you could watch of it as well. But I'd throw that on and, you know, just, just chill. But 
Brilliant. <laughs> I, I miss that channel. We need we need it back. Make it to like channel like three, you know, just just the it's got to be really close in your clicker there. It's got to be got to be in reach at all times. But of course, Chicken Run, the movie, it, there's a lot of chicken pot pies in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Big plot point of the movie. We'll go through the entire plot. We'll talk about it. We'll uh, it'll be a, it'll be a spoiler episode if it's been 23 years. So if you haven't watched Chicken Run, <laughs> pause this episode, go watch it. Check it out. Come back. Listen to the podcast and then go watch uh, the uh, the the nugget, whatever it's called, the, the 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 sequel to Chicken Run, which is Dawn Dawn of the Dawn Nuggets. Of the it's not out yet. It's not out yet. It's not out no, yet. but very soon it will be. And, I was um, I was I was gonna ask, did mm-hmm. Netflix pay you guys to to do this? Is this like a commercial for Dawn of the Nugget? Like what what happened? Only Oreo can can sponsor us. That's our oh, only sponsor oh, yeah, that we're gonna allow. Yeah. I think. Yeah, we'll take we'll take DreamWorks's money and Nick Park's money, but yeah. uh, and Netflix. Oh, we'll always take Netflix's sure. money, but no, Oreo is number one in our hearts for a sponsorship. <laughs> we're still working on them. They're a, they're a tough nut to crack. Tough with. cookie. A, to a tough cookie. I was gonna say a tough cookie to yeah. <laughs> we did mm. it. Uh, but uh, Harrison, for Chicken Run, what are your memories of uh, watching this movie? Did you watch it back in the day when it came out in two thousand? Yes. So I didn't watch it in theaters, and I think. We might talk about this later, but I, I didn't watch it. It came in, I believe, 2000. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to ask my brother about this, where where we actually watch it. So we actually got a, probably a VHS. He said we got a copy from one of our extended family members. Okay. So whether it been a Christmas or, or someone's birthday or, or, or whatnot. But I remember watching it as, as a child and, you know... I know Neil's a big fan of it, but you know, Nightmare Before Christmas was was such a big impact, had such a big impact on me mm-hmm. as a child. And that whole stop motion claymation style, I thought was really really cool. And growing up, it it was you know it was outside of a Pixar movie, but it wasn't your you know typical Disney animated film, right? So it was it yeah. was a little different for for me and my brother growing up, but we we enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was definitely one that was put on repeat quite a bit when, when we were younger, for sure. It's definitely a movie that subverts expectations in a lot of different ways. Like you mentioned, of course, the, the sense that it didn't feel like a traditional kind of Disney animated movie, Pixar movie that was coming out in the late nineties, early two thousands, of course, being a claymation movie, uh, being stop motion, like Neil mentioned earlier on in the podcast uh, about how, there really aren't that many big grossing uh, stop motion mm-hmm. movies. It just it mm-hmm. just was not a money making machine. And plus, like we said, the the, the time that it takes to uh, to actually do this kind of stuff is absolutely crazy. Nightmare Before Christmas will definitely get referenced many more times, Harrison, in this episode, <laughs> I am sure, because they are definitely forever linked in in my mind as well. Because I I think I I watched both of them around the same amount of times too as a kid like i would pop in that nightmare for christmas on november 1st obviously and right. uh, and then pop in chicken run shortly after that but the the whole history of chicken run is is really interesting of like how it really came about and uh and really what they what nick park and and co wanted to do uh was spoof the film uh 1963 film the great escape which uh, is basically it's it's been spoofed over and over again. I think of in the Simpsons Harrison with Maggie uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to get out of the ba- of the um, uh, the babysitters or the daycare, and it's got the the classic like <laughs> yeah. 
you know, like that, that, yeah. that song that you'll see anytime people are trying to escape from places and, uh, and, and they really wanted to kind of put this into almost a children's story and, uh, and use claymation and everything to tell this story about chickens escaping, basically a POW camp is, mm-hmm. is really what this all is. And there's tons and tons of references to POW camp movies. Uh, of course, The Great Escape is by far the biggest one. It's referenced so many, so many times. Uh, Style Like 17 is another one. Uh, Empire of uh, the Sun, which Harrison and I watched uh, not too long ago, uh, mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. referenced many times as well. There's a lot of similarities between those two movies, being being British, uh, of course, and also Steven Spielberg being involved in both of them in, in a way. But uh, yeah, the 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 in, the movie getting created, honestly, is, is really like a miracle that this thing even even happened yeah like the nick park studio they were really well known because you mentioned you guys mentioned this movie isn't like a disney movie or it's not like a pixar movie it's something a little bit different and it's subverted expectations for my family this movie actually really met expectations in some way and also subverted expectations in other ways because we were raised on the wallace and gromit tv shorts which um in the eight was made in the late 80s i think 1989 was when they started to come out and they're only 30 minute long shorts so we were used to these tv length stories we we knew the comedy we we were definitely raised on british comedy being in my house and uh this movie met all of those expectations mm-hmm. the british comedy in this movie is definitely here yeah. um but it also subverted those expectations because it's also a uh, like you guys said a great escape uh parody but it's also a kind of a world war ii it's a war movie basically yep. like a prisoner of war camp movie which is what subverts the expectations where none of the Wallace and Gromit shorts are anything close to that Wallace and Gromit they're inventors and they're they're just like this eccentric man and his dog stories they're goofy this movie has a lot more adult themes in it um, that would not fly in a kids movie nowadays and I wanted to talk about that is that this movie its subject matter is very dark it's a bunch of chickens that are basically just waiting to die in this chicken (laughs) farm there's that dark undertone too but there's, there's also this like there's straight up scenes like there's the main scene in the opening I think maybe 10 minutes or so where a chicken straight up gets decapitated. It's an off-screen hit, but it gets way more graphic than it needs to be. Like they show the axe, you hear the thud, it starts raining and everything. And it's like, that is way darker than anything in a kid's movie made in the last 10 years, I would say. Um, it's stuff like that, that like the animators weren't afraid to do and the storytellers weren't afraid to, to show in this film. Um, in addition to having a lot of uh, references to movies from... Uh, 1963 was The Great Escape. So that's 40 years almost before this movie was made, which is a really long time ago uh, compared to when the movie came out. There are a few more, uh, m- slightly more uh, recent references than that. Like there's a reference to the song It's Raining Men. Um, there's a reference to Star Trek in it briefly because of the Scottish yep. <laughs> uh, co-pilot on the plane, which is really clever. So there's a lot of really clever um references to other pop culture media out there and there's no product placement in the movie at all i don't think which is also really cool um they managed to get away without having any product placement at all i think in some of the wallace and gromit shorts there are maybe there might be a reference to like jacob's crackers or something but that's about it um but yeah the whole movie is is a fantastic homage to what the studio had done 11 years prior on wallace and gromit and they haven't done anything with Chicken Run since then. It's been 23 years, like you guys said. We're getting the sequel in 2023. And for the highest grossing stop motion animated film of all time, that's incredible restraint from uh, Nick Park and DreamWorks. They always seem to want to do different projects. Like they went on to do the Wallace and Gromit film. Uh, they really leaned into Shaun the Sheep in the last 15 years or so. Um, but it's weird that it's taken this long to go back to Chicken Run. It's it's funny too, Neil, that, that you brought up um, you know, some aspects of, of other animated films. Something that I also realized with this compared to other movies that I watched as a kid is is the yeah. soundtrack. 
There isn't like this isn't a musical. This isn't a sing along. Yeah. Uh, there isn't like a, a Randy Newman type <laughs> coming in and and contributing to the to the music of the film. Uh, it's it's quite different than your your standard animated uh, children's yeah. movie, right? Like it's it's a little different from that. It's so. gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna be the theme for today. There's gonna be a lot of <laughs> a lot of this theme. But uh, Harrison, you you've, you've seen this movie since, of course, being uh, a kid. You you saw it back in the day, and and you watched it to prepare for this episode, which I, I appreciate, of course. And, and and what did you find? I guess different. What hit different for you than than it did 20 years ago? Uh, I think back, well, watching it back nowadays, I think the big thing was, was kind of like the, you know, the undertones of the film, right? Like there are a lot of, uh, you know, it goes on the side of, you know, revolution and there's talks (laughs) of Marxism and feminism or feminism. And like, you know, there's all of that, like those undertones, right. That I didn't have that, that lens as a child, obviously, um, but what always gets me, and I was, I, like I mentioned during the beginning of it, but what always got me is is just all the work that went into this, like the stop motion, the the claymation, and like again, you could say it's a dying art. You could say it's it's not as practiced today compared to, you know, the CGI and and all the other you know kind of you know Pixar style movies and and, and whatnot, but. It's it's actually very hard to do. Yep, <laughs> and it's it's a real talent. Like the fact that that Nick Park, uh, and 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 company Peter Lord mm-hmm. can can make this film, and you know, again, like the whole process. If again, if you're not if you're not listening to this and you're not watching Chicken Run, you should learn how stop motion animation works. Because I remember even doing this, like Neil, Mike, you probably guys, you guys probably did this in like ComTech class yeah. or communications technology, where you guys m- probably made a stop motion film mm-hmm. where you're taking photos, adjusting your your claymation characters, etc. And like this film probably took like I don't, I'd have to do the research, and you guys probably did do the research, <laughs> but it probably took a couple years to make, right? Like this is a very like long, tedious process. Yes, it took two years, eighty animators, thirty sets, uh, over one hundred and twenty thousand perfect frames of animation. That's the thing too, is people always say, yes. "Oh no, it took it took one hundred and ten thousand pictures to make this movie." It's like, no, it took one hundred and ten perfect photos to make this movie. Like they took way more than that. Those are just the frames that it took to make that the made movie. It. Yeah. <laughs> they used 7,000 pounds of plasticine to make the characters. They practically, I think the studio has actually reported that they've run out of clay or that the um, mm-hmm. their regular producer or their supplier of clay has gone, somehow gone out of business. Um, <laughs> and now they have to find a new supplier and it's halfway through the chicken run production. So I don't know how that's going to work. But basically it took uh, the animators uh, one day to make two and a half seconds of film. Um, just by slowly, painstakingly animating each individual character, changing up the eyes so that they can make expressions, changing the mouths so that it works with the script, um, actually building the figures and moving them around, building the sets, painting. All the skies, I think, in the movie are all hand-painted, which is really cool to watch the production of them uh, make it. But uh, mm. production for this movie all started back in 1995. That's when they started storyboarding it and coming up with the concept. Uh, actual photography started in uh, January of 1998 and filming wrapped in June of 1999. So it, it took around two years to make, but a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And Harrison, you mentioned that like stop motion, it's not 
mainstream anymore. I would argue that it never was because it's it's always been, <laughs> it was never easy mm-hmm. to do and it's never, it never got easier. That's the thing. It's like, no matter how much technology has improved over the years and how traditional animation is not easier, but it's definitely way less time consuming than it used to be having hundreds of people coloring in cells of like, you know, like Snow White taking, you know, people drawing the black celluloid and then coloring it in and then taking photos of it. It's way, it's way different now. Stop motion is still the same. Like it's still, you have to, to design the figures you have to take each individual picture and then you have to string it all together um and that's why we, we look at the top 10 best animated uh best stop motion animated films of all time and it's all still it's been the same list basically for the last 15 years almost minus a few Shaun the sheep films like nightmare before christmas is on there chicken run is still on there um and a few other uh tim burton and nick park films but it it it's just not feasible to do this for every animated film. So that's why when movies like this come out, like Nightmare, like Chicken Run, we like to focus on it because they are so special and that's what makes them so fun to watch. And when they do get made, typically they're, they're, they don't do as well in the box office for whatever reason it is. Most of them struggle to make more than $150 million, which when you compare it to a movie like Frozen and like all the other Disney and Pixar films that can crack a billion dollars, it doesn't make sense to to do all this work and, and hire all these animators. Yeah, I... Uh... I think of um, of Wes Anderson as well, too, not to sound like a film bro, but like <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle yeah. of Dogs. I find both of them just such beautiful films. Yeah. Like just the way they're done. I really liked Isle of Dogs more than Fantastic Mr. Fox. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, <laughs> um, but Isle of Dogs I thought was a, like a fantastic fantastic film and 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 even pinocchio too like yes uh guillermo guillermo del toro's film right like that was also stop motion i believe as well too right mm-hmm. like yeah. again not uh, to neil's point not very mainstream but like it, it is a very like niche art that is that is well i think well respected i mm-hmm. think in a way definitely well respected and and it, it gives it like a more of like an artistic lens too when you have that that kind of time and effort that's put into it and and this precision i find that like you can actually make these shots perfect you just need to work like four years to create something like this but you can you can really create this perfection i almost goes back to something we talked about a while back now neil with roller coaster tycoon Mm. and how um chris sawyer was uh was creating roller coaster tycoon with using this very special code uh, uh, uh that was really antiquated basically and but the the reason why he was doing it was because he knew how to do it perfectly he just knew that code really really well that code base and he could uh actually select every single basically every single pixel all the times like and 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 tell the computer exactly what to do uh and with this code and because of that roller coaster tycoon have you ever played roller coaster tycoon with it with a glitch harrison probably (laughs) not right it works perfectly uh, and that's uh, and that was one of the reasons why it's such a great game, and it's like it's such an almost artistic game in that sense. And that's how kind of how I think of stop motion animation mm-hmm. and claymation. Like it's yeah, super painstaking. But if you're an expert on it, like Nick Park and Peter Lord are, you can do some really cool stuff. And they did in in Chicken Run. Mm-hmm. As much work as the animators put into it, I do need to give another uh, a, a big shout out or a big. Prop to uh, all of the voice actors in the film, too, which obviously we're going to get to. Um, There's Phil Daniels, Lynn Ferguson, Mel Gibson, of course, Tony Haygarth, Jane Horrocks, Miranda Richardson, Julia Swalha. I always get that name wrong. I think that's um, that's Ginger. She's the main character. Timothy Spall, 
uh, Imelda Staunton, Benjamin Withrow. There's so many great British, one Scottish and one American actor in the whole film, and they're all so good. Um, the animation is obviously really well done, but the British comedy and the voice acting in this film is so memorable for me. I remember, I love all the accents. I love all the characters fit so well. I really <laughs> love the one rooster that's on the... Um, on the farm, the old RAF pilot. Yeah. Uh, he's hilarious. As as oh, a kid, Fowler. 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 That's right. As a kid, I didn't yeah. like him as much. I was obviously I like Ginger and I like Rocky yeah. and all the main characters. But as an adult, I love. Fowler. He's like the Squidward of the uh, of the chicken farm. He's really good. I was uh, I was really happy to know as an like I just found this out the other day that uh, Mac the the Scottish yes. uh, chicken is voiced by Lynn Ferguson, which is Craig Ferguson's sister. Oh, and, my God. Hmm. And Mike knows that I'm a big uh, Craig Ferguson fan. I used to watch The Late Late Show all the time That's... with Craig Ferguson. But I didn't know that was I didn't know that was her until until recently. So that was a that was a special, special moment for me. That is so funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it, that I, she's one of my favorite characters. There's there's a lot of like they did a great job with the characterization in this yeah. movie, despite being an 86 minute movie. Uh, the fact that they were able to create these characters out of really nothing, like like just very short appearances on camera. But you're right, Fowler is is a great one. I always thought he was voiced by John Hurt. I was uh, yeah. I learned that he wasn't, but he he does he tries to kind of speak in that similar sort of way. Uh, that very um, kind of upper class uh, British, uh, like uh, you know, military kind of gravelly uh, style. Yeah. Yes, and and I know it just adds more to like the Great Escape POW kind of style that they were going for. But let's let's get into the plot. I'm gonna go through the plot pretty quickly here. Uh, we're just gonna talk about basically the main things that happen here, and uh, and then we'll we'll discuss it a bit. But uh, this this does take place in Yorkshire, uh, actually, as you mentioned earlier, Neil. Yorkshire mm-hmm. pudding, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, these uh, these chickens they live on an egg farm, uh, which is uh, uh, run by the Tweedies, who I guess are husband and wife, but <laughs> call each other Mister <laughs> Tweedy and Mrs. Tweedy. Harris, what's going on there? You know what? That's how my parents referred to each other before they <laughs> divorced. So you know what? That makes sense. It checks out. Yeah. Are they? Are they, I was like, as a kid, I was like, are they could be siblings. They could just like be business partner. But it's like, no. Are they married? Like, there's no. There's, Seemingly, could I be. think they're. Yeah, they're husband and wife. And I, by the sounds of things, and by watching the film, I think it's actually Mr. Tweedy's farm. It is. I think she's married into it. He's the actual owner and it's been passed down in his family of of egg farmers for for many years. Me father's father. Right. Me father's father's father. Yeah. 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 So so Mrs. Tweedy, whatever, I I don't know who names their kid Mrs., but Mrs. (laughs) Tweedy is, uh, has kind of taken over, right? And has kind of uh, bullied her way in to... uh, to the farm. Mrs. Tweedy's the big bad of the of the story. She's even got the stormtrooper boots. I don't know if you guys mm. uh, spotted that. Uh, and how they show her is how they would film a lot of these POW shots of you know when they're going down for inspection. You just see the 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 boots of uh, of the SS officer, and then you would like slowly pan up, and then you would see their face. Uh, so I do like how they did that again, just very a great escape POW style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so the, the egg farm is structured like a prisoner of war camp. Uh, the farm is run by the Tweedies, like we said, and, uh, the Mr. Tweedy, he does suspect that the chickens are organizing and plotting a resistance, uh, against them. This is the very animal farm kind of, kind of part of the, uh, the movie for sure is the, the chickens all working together. And, uh, and it kind of just drops you into this world of like, okay, like the chickens, they want to get out. They're trying to figure out a way to escape. 
escape. Uh, Ginger gets caught by uh, tunneling under. And, you know, they're trying to figure out, should they tunnel under? Should they go over? Uh, and then uh, Rocky, Rocky Rhodes, or Rocky Rhode Island is his real name. Uh, he comes in, he glides over the fences, and he crash lands in the coop. And um, he's got a sprained wing, puts it in the cast. And uh, the reason he's there is because he's trying to hide from the circus, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I guess he was a uh, flying rooster, because I guess that's a thing in Yorkshire, <laughs> is having <laughs> flying roosters in a circus. You, you ever hear this, Harrison, a flying rooster in a circus? No, I never went to the circus as a kid either. I, I, I don't like the circus. I was, is that is that a hot take? No. I don't find I don't find Cirque du Soleil entertaining. I don't like clowns. I don't like the trapeze, and I I don't think I would enjoy a rooster flying out of a cannon either. So you know, <laughs> I got, animal abuse. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know what? Doesn't sit well with me. I, <laughs> yeah, I got the sense that this movie because they never really reference what year it is. That's the other thing too. Is it's I always like trying to figure sure. out when movies take place, and I get the sense that this is meant to be like around maybe post world war one or like like definitely like pre-1950s i think um just based on the tech and like what the farmers are using and everything it's all very analog like they they are they're upgrading to just having a machine on on the farm like like they're using a typewriter and everything in the uh in their house so circuses would have been a really big deal at the time that would have been in small towns in england that was like their only form of entertainment was watching chickens getting blasted out of a cannon (laughs) um that's what we did for fun back in the day back in england i guess um so i always expected that it was in the 40s like like it's supposed to be in a world war ii period yes i think kind of how they're trying to trying to do that's a good point maybe even like during world war ii even in like that's what i mean yeah yeah, like fowler's like a like a retired world war one pilot or something like that that's kind of what i got the sense too so it makes sense that there's the like the that's the circuit circus is like a huge part of this uh this small town so it makes sense <laughs> and the circus is trying to find rocky because of course he is the one who's bringing in all those big bucks for me the kids in the, he's the only the, one they can fire out of a cannon <laughs> that's right legally because yeah, everybody else is like defending <laughs> like the flag in world war ii <laughs> yeah but no no they they got they got roosters roosters are plenty and uh uh and the the Tweeties now uh, back to them. They, they're tr- well. Mrs. Tweety is trying to figure out a way to increase their profits. She's tired of being some poor egg farmer who's just making measly profits. Uh, she comes up with the idea of making chicken pot pies, uh, with which Mr. Tweety thinks are apple pies, and uh, <laughs> he's not too smart. Not sure. Not really sure how he's run a business this long. Um, she clearly nepotism. Is the... That's why nepotism. <laughs> nepotism. He's a yeah. nepo baby. Yeah, big yeah. nepotism. Yeah. His father probably made this farm amazing, and he's just kind of been running into the ground ever since. Mr. Yeah. Tweety yeah. is the Andrew of the Star Wolf gang. That's Mr. <laughs> Tweety. And if we're going a Star Fox metaphor here, he's the nephew. He's like, all right, we got to bring. He's gonna. He's gonna inherit this farm. He's gonna probably screw it up. This is the last generation that the farm's gonna have it. So let's just let him like let let him burn it down. And then Mrs. Tweedy, stone cold capitalist, has to figure out how to maximize profits. So she finds this flyer, and uh, it's the answer to her prayers. It's going to turn all of her chickens into uh, into chicken pot pies. I, I I wish a flyer had the answer to all my <laughs> my life dilemmas right? and questions. Right, but Bitcoin, know. Harrison, Bitcoin. Yeah, just where's no, my no, Bitcoin no, flyer? Bitcoin. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, now I will say, and you guys can debate me on this. Um, I feel like the business would actually suffer greatly by doing this because for one, 
you are getting rid of your resources. You're literally using Correct. up your resources. <laughs> and you have a very finite amount of chickens. And you also don't have a rooster, as far as you know. Well, I mean, there's the the old major rooster, whatever, uh, Fowler. But I don't mm-hmm. think he's siring any any chicks no. anytime soon. So No, no, no he's got it. He's got <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a bit of an interesting, uh, in- interesting business proposition because I think she's really losing a lot of money this way. Because after she kills all 30 chickens... Uh, not sure what she's going to do because now she can't have any egg productions. feels like she should probably maybe maybe split it off a little bit. Maybe maybe do like 10 at a time or something for pies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a chicken farm with only that many chickens is, is never going to be profitable. No. It's just irresponsible, <laughs> I think, of them to have such a low number of chickens that they just kill and then do not replace. Yeah. The, the opening scene with Edwina, R.I.P. Edwina, uh, mm-hmm. she was the queen, but she, she gets killed and they don't, like, a new character doesn't show up. Like, you'd think, like, as a responsible business owner you know you, you knock off one of your your livestock you need to replace that one and the whole movie takes place over the course of weeks i think like maybe a few weeks yeah. to uh, to fix his broken wing or whatever there's no new chicken that shows up <laughs> at least none that we know so it's like they're just slowly dwindling down to zero eventually you're gonna have one egg a day i don't know what their long-term plan was as a business they clearly did not have a five-year plan definitely not a movie about entrepreneurship yeah, they didn't. They didn't have a roadmap. They didn't have any any uh, company goals. I don't even know what their company values were. So you know, it's just it wasn't a good business. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it's funny because Nick Park actually had pet chickens in his youth, mm-hmm. and, and several of whom tried to escape their pen. That's kind of where this uh, all came from. And yes, their names were Ginger and Rocky. So he just kind of mm. he just stole this from his childhood, uh, clearly. But um, he is Mr. Tweety. He, yeah, he's he's Mr. Oh, Tweety. Oh no, I feel like that's an insult to him, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we calling him Mr. Tweety. <laughs> we can't say that. Mr. Tweety had good intentions, kind of. Yeah, kind. Of. I mean, he's not. As, he just. He's just dumb. Yep. What do you mean he let his he let his wife die in the freaking like <laughs> chicken pie gravy machine? Yeah, he was just like You're okay. Spoiling I'm just the end here, Harrison. Let Mike get oh, back. Sorry, to the sorry, line. sorry. <laughs> well, uh, to in order to uh, to get some more profits with this pie making machine that they bring in, uh, they are constantly feeding the chickens and trying to make them fat, which Ginger obviously realizes. Also, to go back to Rocky at this point too. So Rocky, when he comes in, uh, I do love how many. Uh, how the, like, the all the hens are just going, oh my god! Like uh, having this man in here, uh, and he comes in very American, very brash, very bumbling to uh, just trying to come in and fix things, calling everyone doll face. Yeah, uh, and um, and it's funny to see this portrayal of an of an American character in a kind of movie like this in a mainstream movie because we are like I said earlier how we're so used to seeing Americans come in as a hero and really. Rocky is not really a hero. He's just a guy who's well-intentioned, but really just looking out for his own self-interest. One of my absolute favorite lines, and you guys might uh, agree with me on this one, is uh, when Rocky comes in and uh, Fowler says, ah, typical Yank, like coming in late to every war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was. I great. don't like the look of this one. His eyes are too close together. <laughs> just, like, really funny. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and also like how all of the chickens, like throughout the entire movie, they they argue or there's like this ongoing debate about whether or not he's actually American which is like yeah. a, that's a real life reference to Mel Gibson yes, being constantly 
being Australian and constantly being like, I don't know if he's actually American. Is he Australian? Like no one really knowing like what his nationality is in real life. Like that's kind of what that's a, that's an homage to. Um, yeah. Fowler's like instant hatred of an American soldier or like just an American in general calling him like typical Yank, you know, just like these derogatory comments towards pushy uh, Americans. That's right. Yeah. It's really well done. And then how he can't understand the Scottish character to save his life throughout the entire film. It's all really good. Um, the different accents and whatnot. Yeah, again, the characterization is great. And then uh, they do end up convincing him that he's if he has to stay or if he's going to stay with them and avoid the circus, he needs to teach him how to fly. And Rocky is always like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll eventually. And he, he basically just kind of puts them through a bunch of j- drills, like a gym class. Yeah. <laughs> just gets them gets them moving, gets them active, uh, slowly working the, the way up to trying to find a way to fly, whether using springboards or whether using a belt to send them flying. Uh, creating these elaborate machines and it is eventually shown and revealed uh that rocky doesn't know how to fly and the way they do it is actually kind of uh kind of cool it's like almost like a twist uh in the sense that uh, rocky does end up running off because uh he's too scared to actually uh, uh tell them that he can't fly so he runs off and hits the open road as he says because uh, nothing can so, hold sorry, him sorry mike what did he do oh yes he ran off he he ran he escaped yeah, it's true he did. <laughs> yeah, he did it. The chicken the chicken run. He is the chick he is the running chicken. He did it. I see, yeah. I see. He is the chicken run and the movie ends and that's it. Uh, <laughs> a 45 minute movie, uh a little short, I think. Um but you know what? Uh, the, so that's the Harrison cut. Uh, yeah, done. <laughs> movie's over. <laughs> movie's over. This this is the Nick Park Peter Lord cut though. So this is a bit different. <laughs> How <laughs> no, dark sorry, would that sorry. be if no. that's where it ended? <laughs> <laughs> but the nobody like he escaped. All of them had so like like difficulties trying to escape and he was just he was able to get out. Yeah, I'm not really sure how he got out. Well, Ginger yeah. said, she does say earlier in the movie, she said it's easy to get one out or even two, but it's hard to get everyone out. Mm. That That's the tricky part. But I, because mm. of the dogs, like you see, you know, they're, they're constantly secu- like prowling around. So I guess just one sneaking out is easy. And also uh, Rocky is fairly fit. As we notice, a lot of the hens in this movie are quite big. So he didn't need to, he could run. Obviously he could dig. He didn't need as big of a hole. He was quite nimble once his uh once his wing healed so that they, they kind of explain it in little one away throwaway lines here and there i'm, I'm convinced I, w- I was i was sold i was i was so pissed off i was like what he just escaped like and then he found a bicycle too rather quickly yeah yeah and a radio and a radio yeah oh he took yeah, that from yeah. the rats because uh wasn't that the one that the rats gave them um oh yeah 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 uh, see maybe. this is what happens when you're like paying attention to a film <laughs> instead of like you know looking at fantasy hockey on your phone and also <laughs> watching movie at the same time and yeah i will say uh one of my favorite characters in this game in this uh movie are the rats yeah for sure i think oh yeah the salesman yeah. rats the sleazy salesman they even have these um kind of potato bags or whatever uh as or i guess seed bags i'll put together to like stitch together to look like one of those uh, checkered salesman, uh, sleazy mm-hmm. salesman <laughs> suits, which is great. Uh, I, I, they are, as a as an adult now, they are one of my favorites for sure. Just sleazy salesman is always a great, uh, great character trait uh, in a movie. And uh, they do, they are stupid though because they accept Rocky's <laughs> offer that Rocky will give them his eggs <laughs> uh, in exchange for anything that they have. And uh, this, uh, this, this makes um, uh, this makes Ginger roll her eyes. But this is maybe the start of Ginger being kind of trusting him, kind of being like, ooh, like okay, maybe this guy isn't as bad as he actually is. And uh, and you see a bit of that that ro- romantic chemistry 
uh, starting to develop between them. You know, it's a classic, like, I, I hate you, but I also love you uh, style. But yes, going back, he is gone. He has escaped. He's on his tricycle and he does, he sees uh, the chicken pot pie uh, ad that uh, that has Mrs. Tweety on it. And that, that causes him to start thinking. But uh, going back to the, the twist that we actually see how we, we find out that he can't fly is the poster. We've, we've, we were given or led to believe that he is the, the, the chicken on this poster, the rooster on this poster. And he is, but he didn't show us the bottom of the poster, which contains the cannon that he is fired out of. And that's when all the hens see this and go, Oh my goodness. And realize that he's a fake and they all get really sad. And this is the sad part of the movie. Now, now we're into the, the third act because everyone's sad, but uh, uh, they, they still have some hope of trying to escape the farm. Uh, I do love that as a little twist though. Uh, Cause I think as a kid, I was like, Oh my goodness. He's not, he can't actually fly. He's a phony. Yeah. It's a really well done twist, but and it's funny because when you watch the movie a second time, this movie does have a ton of rewatchability because you catch all the little animations and and lines and and small details that you missed the first time. So it's definitely one of these movies that you need to watch hundreds of times. But <laughs> in the scene just before he lands in the chicken coop, you do see a a flash. So like you see the cannon oh. fire, uh, which is really cool. Like you think it's supposed to be thunder or something because I think it might be raining the night that he crashes into the chicken coop. I yes, can't remember, but. Yeah. It's it's the cannon flash. Um, so they actually do tease it at the very beginning of the movie, which is which is funny. Um, so, yeah, at that point, the whole it seems like all hope is lost. All this work that they've done was for nothing. The chicken pot pie machine that they had originally broken earlier in the film is being fixed by Mr. Tweedy. So they're, they think they're all going to die when finally they get the answer on how to fly out of the of the farm. And the answer has been in front of them all along because they have a chicken with them who worked for the Air Force, not thinking maybe this guy knows a thing or two about airplanes. So the chickens all of a sudden know that they don't need to learn how to fly. They just need to learn how to fly a plane, which is a really clever uh, conclusion or solution to the problem that they'd had all along. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite montages of the entire film is when they're putting together the... um, the uh, the plane out of like household objects. They start to bribe the rats, Nick and F- uh, Fetcher, who are my t- two of my favorite characters in the whole film too. They're kind of like the sleazy, you're right, Mike salesman, but they're also like those characters that you see in all of these prison break movies. How there's always a character or two who seems to be able to get supplies for the prisoners. They're like, the neutrals. Always... They're the, they're the right. grays, right? You know, they're they're right. they're not on they're not on the chicken side necessarily. They're not mm-hmm. on. Uh, Mr. Tweedy's side, they're 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 just looking out for themselves, and and that's exactly it. they're in it for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I think a lot of their lines were ad libbed. Like I think that it's just, it's Daniel Mays and Romesh Ranganathan. They are the uh, the two rats. Their accents, first of all, are fantastic, but yes. also like just their um, volleying of jokes back and forth is so good. I like when they like they say like we 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 snuck around in his house all quiet like a fish, <laughs> yeah, like a like, fish, like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course at the very end they're having the what comes first the chicken and the egg conversation, which is really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chickens do finally eventually get to fly out of the farm as they originally intended to do in their airplane that they made. It's really funny. It's all the chickens pedaling together to fly the thing. They put Fowler at the at the wheel, which is good. There's the Scottish uh, co-pilot. Who's we need meant to more be like, power, Captain. <laughs> we got to cling on. The engines can't handle it. Oh uh, yeah, that like the Star the Star Trek references. Uh, did you catch them, Harrison, when you watched it again this time? Oh yeah, yeah. I again, <laughs> obviously, uh, when I was younger, not a Trekkie. As yeah. I got older, 
more more Trekkie, of, of course. course. And I was just like, damn, yeah. I get it, I get it. And it just it's so funny that like they had that Scottish character, and I just I just imagine them being like in the room when they're thinking of this. It's like, all right, well, we'll have a Scottish chicken. Let's let's might as well let's throw some some Star Trek <laughs> references <laughs> in here. Yeah, saying uh, uh, saying I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and like you said, Neil, cl- calling um uh, calling Mrs. Tweedy a Klingon when she's clinging on to the uh, the row of lights, uh, yep. which is so so good. So the engines can't take it and everything, and they they're eventually able to shake Mrs. Tweedy. She gets thrown all the way back into her chicken pot pie making machine again, blows up the entire farm. So it's not even like the farm <laughs> is salvageable at that. Point. I don't know what was in that machine, but Jeez. the gravy explosion took out their entire land. I guess 1940s tech, who knows? Yeah. But uh, the chickens do find they land on the hill that Ginger had been looking at for all these years. They finally do escape. They start their own little uh, village, I guess. They have little chickens now, which I guess are going to be in the sequel 23 mm-hmm. years later. We'll have to wait and see. And that's basically the entire movie plot for plot point for plot point there's obviously a bunch of little scenes in there that we missed little one-off lines um i did want to ask you guys though Mm -hmm. i know we've already talked about a couple lines in there are there any jokes or one-liners in the movie that stand out to you as like laugh out loud funny either back in the day or now okay so i don't think there were i don't think chicken run was a very quotable movie okay in my house growing up which is which is fine however i did read something a long time ago and I think it was an interview or it was a tweet or something. But I remember Robert Pattinson saying this was his favorite chick flick. And <laughs> that's always stuck with me. That's awesome. That's that's really funny, actually. <laughs> it's so stupid. And I'm like, thank you, Batman. Thank you for this. Yeah. Thank you, Edward Cullen. How about you, Mike? Are there any uh, any funny lines from the movie that we haven't mentioned yet that uh, stood out to you? There, there are. There's a lot. Uh, the the chicken who is always uh, knitting is she's one of my favorites. Uh, Babs, just, Babs, yeah, just the stuff that she says. Uh, and uh, one of my favorites is when uh, Ginger says, "We either die free chickens or die trying." She's like, "Are those the only choices?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and another one, uh, a couple more, is at the end saying, "Come on, I'll show you how to play cricket." <laughs> yeah. She's talking- oh, that that was yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> she's talking to Rocky is really funny. And my all time favorite one is uh, this one I remembered when I was a kid as well is. Uh, is when Mr. Tweedy is is watching the chickens kind of start creating the um creating the machine, and he's like, "The chickens are revolting," <laughs> and Mrs. Tweedy's like, "Yeah, finally something we can both agree on. <laughs> <laughs> finally something we can agree on." Yeah, I feel I feel bad for Mr. Tweedy because this was a a, a definition of of gaslighting, and we didn't know what it was mm. as a kid. We didn't know what gaslighting was, True. and and. And poor Mr. Tweedy, he's like, it's all in my head. It's all in my head. <laughs> and no, Mr. Tweedy, it's not in your head. This is real. This is like, real. I told you they was organized. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love. I, lo- I also love Babs, Mike. She's she's a fantastic character. The knitting uh, chicken. <laughs> and true fact is that they they made her knitting needles out of um, toothpicks. Oh, okay. And the stop motion, they're actually knitting something. Like they're actually doing the knitting patterns with the toothpicks. So she's actually really knitting throughout the movie that's great let's see that's Which just is... another detail that they had they did not need to put that in they didn't no. need to put in a knitting chicken <laughs> in this movie but it adds such a like it adds a depth it adds a realism to it mm-hmm. right because because even when you do think of these pow movies there's always that one guy who's doing something all the time with his hands y- yes exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just 
it, it lends a, an air of authenticity to it. And, and mm-hmm. it's something as simple as knitting. And I, I can imagine the conversation that they would have had. It's like, okay, we want someone knitting. And they're like, guys, you know how much more longer, how much longer that's going to take? <laughs> yeah. Now that we have this knitting, they're like, no, 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 we want to have like, a, it'll, it'll, it'll create a bit of motion on screen so that you're not always looking at the mouths or you're not, you're not looking at, uh, at certain things. That's, that's a big thing with claymation is it's really hard to make it work really well because you can make something that's that's uh, claymated, of course, but uh, and stop motion. But the problem is, is that you need to have a lot of different things moving at once because mm-hmm. that's how life works. Like right, like things are always a bit in motion. No one's ever standing perfectly still. And with claymated characters, you notice that even more when they're perfectly still. So doing the subtle movements that's what's really hard in claymation yeah. more than anything else. And all the characters are constantly blinking too. Like when you see them all standing at attention too, like they're all like, there's always multiple chickens in shot. Like when we talk about nightmare before Christmas, usually there's only four characters at most on screen. I think there's never that many characters in a frame, maybe one or two most scenes in chicken run. There's always many of them. And in some scenes they're dancing, they're partying. Uh, It's really clever. Um, but yeah, like when you see them all standing at attention and they all blink in unison or something, it's really good. Um, it's, it's that, just that comedy, that comedy for me is just a plus. Um, but just more lines from Babs real yeah, quick. I yeah. love, I love her obsession with always asking if someone is going on holiday. Um, <laughs> I think I mentioned to Mike before, uh, you came on Harrison is that, that line was, was, uh, repeated in my household for years by my mother. Just everything was like, are they going on holiday then? Like just, just randomly, like stupid things like like every day there was, the, are we going on holiday kind of thing? Every time like someone dies, someone leaves like coming back from holiday. Like cause Ginger gets like thrown in the, um, in that coal, uh, box every night or whatever for trying to escape. Yeah. Um, I love like when she says like, I had a life flash before my eyes. It was very boring. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. And then the line that I found hilarious as a kid was just when they're getting on the plane and the rats give the only safety instructions, which is in the case of a crash, put your legs between your knees and kiss your bum goodbye. As a kid, that was the funniest line of the whole movie. That's a good um, one. Because it's a butt kissing joke. Yeah. So how could you not find that funny? But bums are funny. I, 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 still, I still find those funny. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I guess so. Yeah, I love their just their their swarminess and their like skeeviness and like the grins that they have at each other. And then their little post credit scene of them talking about what comes first, the chicken or the egg yeah. back and forth. All very, all very good. From start to finish, it's a it's a perfect movie. I would say it's a it's a almost perfect movie. I would say, uh, and if not perfect, I I love this movie so much. But are there anything any cons? Anything you'd like to change maybe about Chicken Run, Harrison, that you can think of? Mm, I don't know. Like I was trying to think about. I I was thinking about. Okay, what don't I like about this movie now as as an adult? And I think they could have you know gone a little bit more. You know, there could have been more character depth, I mm-hmm. guess, of like, like, I'd like to learn a little, like, a little bit more backstory, I guess. Like, I know it's kind of presented to us, like, yes, they're part of, like, this POW camp or whatever. But, like, I don't know. I also found it, like, it was, I don't know if it needs to be that long. And it's not that long of a movie. It's only, like, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I'm like, okay, like, you're trying to escape, yada, yada, yada. And then I really wish the plane was introduced earlier on. Mm-hmm. As like a thing, because it's like, oh, we found this like, oh, like Fowler had this whole idea all along. And it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, we've tried everything. And he finally realizes now that he has like the blueprints to like an Air Force plane. (laughs) I was like, okay, like, mm, I don't know, maybe try something else at the end. But 
But I, that's just me being like super critical. I, so. I do like how they actually make it realistic in the fact that they're like, you were an RFA, RAF pilot. Uh, and he's like, no, no, like I was just the mascot yeah. <laughs> for RAF. Yeah. Like, like I, they don't let chickens fly planes. Yeah. I, I, and that was that's the only it's the only fourth breaking it's the fourth wall breaking that's yeah. one of the only times where he says they don't let chickens fly planes yeah. <laughs> like, you know. yeah. i thought that was that was really clever in that sense <laughs> but i i i get with you, what you mean for sure harrison i think for me i'm definitely in a similar boat where i would have i would have liked maybe a bit more exposition for you know, the backstory at the beginning it that's the only thing that i i marked as a con for this movie is that it feels that i'm coming in 20 minutes into the movie when I start the movie, like it's, it's, it's a little abrupt, I think. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, like I, I get why, you know, there's, that's 20 more minutes of animating. That yeah. We've had to it's do. another year. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's still, uh, it, I, I felt it a little abrupt. I, I like for, I did have to stop a second and be like, Oh, like, is this how the movie starts though? I guess it does. Okay. Like, I guess we're in it now. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't hold your hand, I guess. It's almost like a video game starting out without a tutorial. Almost, yeah. Kinda. yeah. I, I, I can't think of honestly many things that I would approve on this film. No, like no. Really, anything Nick Park does like is, is gold to me. Like even some of his spinoff stuff, like early man and the Sean, the sheep stuff is all really good. The Wallace and Gromit werewolf movie is one of the best Halloween movies ever made. Um, <laughs> it's all, I, such, it's I, all I, good stuff. I love Wallace and Gromit so much. <sighs> I I always look at at my dog and I'm like, you you kind of look like Gromit. He does kind of look bit. like Gromit. <laughs> yeah, it does look a little bit like Gromit. But like the the yeah, I agree with you, Neil. Sorry to to, to oh. jump in like that, but no, like no, the no. whole like you know like Nick Park cinematic universe, like <laughs> if you want to call it that. Like I even like Shaun the Sheep as well too. Yeah. I have I have no problem with Shaun the Sheep. But yeah, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were Rabbit. That was that. That was a good one as well too. Top Gold. tier movie, but mm-hmm. I do have two last things I want to talk about with you guys. And the first one is feminism in this movie. And I thought it was really interesting how this movie actually portrayed well hens and women in this because I don't know if you guys noticed, but all the men are incompetent yep. in this movie. Oh yeah, they're 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 all useless. Yep. Uh, completely and another subverting expectations uh completely uh, the men are completely useless are very brash coming in with solutions that they don't like that aren't gonna work uh and the women uh are actually very organized understand what's going on and also they all have extremely different personalities and characteristics this is something that you don't see a lot uh, especially in 2000 you did not see a lot with um with women characters there were uh, basically just going to be like three types of women in a movie and that was it and most of the time they just talked to each other about men uh, so it was really cool and refreshing to see a movie like Chicken Run where you do have women from all sizes and shapes and backgrounds and everything like uh, you have and the you know what the first thing that popped into my head was when I was watching this it's at the Barbie movie it's like yeah. being in Barbie land yeah. and how there's all the different Barbies. There's President Barbie, there's Scientist Barbie, there's like, and they're living in this like female dominated world with like the, the female Barbie constitution and everything. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, same way with the chicken coop. It's all the hens. And like Fowler, I guess, is Ken. <laughs> and Rocky is Ken. I think Rocky's meant to be Ken. Fowler is maybe the other, like one of the other Kens. Alan. He's Alan. Oh. That's right. Oh, poor Alan. <laughs> poor Alan. We love Michael Sarah. We love Alan. Shout out Michael Sarah. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh my God, this is like the Barbie movie. This is very similar, laid out this way. Yeah, it's, it is. It's these women working together against the against the patriarchy, against against the, the Tweeties and capitalism, trying to escape. And they're just trying to be free. 
And even the the smartest chicken on the farm, uh, Mac, the Scottish one, mm-hmm. who's uh, the Star Trek one, if you will, um, she's like the brainiac. And anytime she talks, uh, Rocky's always like, "Was that English?" Like, and it's like she's like explaining how to fly, like the science behind, like physics, or she's explaining his injury to him as well. Like yeah. it was a it was a posterior anterior delt. Like your humerus and your radius were split or whatever, and I fixed you up and whatever. And he's like, "What?" You know, like just everyone is like really educated for the most part except for i think some of them are kind of dumb but like the, sure. they're just the ones that don't have care they, they're just there for comedic effect yeah. um like they just scream and waddle or whatever around and and eat chicken seed but even even like bunty who's uh imelda staunton's character she's yeah. kind of like the the kind of tomboyish one she's like the the butch one i guess she's always like kind of the voice of reason yeah. uh where i think at one point she says basically let's just try nothing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, have we tried is, nothing yet <laughs> it's like we haven't tried not escaping that was her idea yeah um so like there's all you're right mike there's all these different characters they all have such different personalities yeah. they're not all the same and they all work so well together as a team and rocky comes in and says and by uh what does he say working as a team which means do everything i say yeah, yeah. and um, that is from the italian job that is a direct mm. quote from the 60s italian job movie which uh i i love there's a ton of references and that's a great segue neil into my next point of easter eggs you guys want to hear some easter eggs and references chicken in eggs, this? You mean. chicken eggs yeah <laughs> Ooh, yes i'd love to hear some chicken Please. easter easter eggs chicken easters um uh, so when uh, Peter Lord and Nick Park first pitched a great escape with chickens as basically how they pitched it uh, to Steven Spielberg and Jeff Katzenberg, Spielberg immediately agreed because to the project because great escape was his favorite movie and he owned a small chicken farm. So there you go. Oh, All, there and then go. Spielberg and Katzenberg, they made the filmmakers add a shot of Mr. Tweedy playing with his uh, flashlight because I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Mrs. Tweedy tells him to go into the house and get the torch. And, they knew that Americans wouldn't know what uh, what a torch was, uh, so they they made them show what the torch is instead of you know overdubbing it, calling it flashlights or something. They said, okay, can you add a scene where he's like showing that he has a, a flashlight in his hand? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Burger King, uh, yes, Chicken Run did get Burger King playsets. I know Neil loves his Burger King toys. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's some cannons. There's airplanes. There's a high wire act little toy too. Uh, and infamously, <laughs> it was marketed with chicken nugget-esque products, despite <laughs> the theme of the movie uh, and Burger King marketing itself being against eating chicken. So I remember oh, these. I'm looking this up. I'm looking this up now. I remember this too. I think I had a few of these. I never got the whole set. I, dude, Burger King. I, I, they were never my favorite in terms of burger and fries, but their toys were always awesome. Top uh, tier toys. I remember them having Dragon Ball Z toys and my brother and I wanting to go because we we're like, why doesn't McDonald's have this? Yeah. I, right? Can I have the toy and the McDonald's f- food? That'd yeah, be great. yeah. Can, I, can I just swap them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, there is all the, the Star Trek references there. There is a Star Wars reference as well. Did either of you pick up that little reference? Star Wars reference. I don't think so. It's it's very subtle, but it's when Rocky is rescuing Ginger from the uh, the pie making machine, and they uh, swing uh, across uh, to a ledge, just how Leia and Luke swing across, uh, and she's holding him oh, the same way. Oh, okay. No, no, I didn't pick that up. No, cool. 
And of course, the one that you guys probably did pick up is the Indiana Jones reference when Ginger mm. is going underneath the door and it's closing and she forgets yeah, her hat. Yeah, and her hat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Classic. Yeah, saw that one. And there's many, many, many more. Uh, just the last one that I wanted to say is one of my favorite scenes that I just started laughing at and I had to pause it. When the rats are, are, are gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think it's so funny because why would it matter if they're bats or gnomes? <laughs> like, you still, this is better. You still see a gnome yeah. walking around. You just be like, wait, what? <laughs> and then Mrs. T- Mr. Tweedy has to gaslight himself again where he goes, yeah, oh, it's yeah, gnomes no. now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in your head. Yeah, whatever you say, Mr. Tweedy, whatever you say. I love yeah. so hard. Oh, sorry. One, one more Easter egg. One more Easter egg. The farmhouse... Yeah is made to look exactly like the Norman Bates house in Psycho. Oh, wow. Cool. You oh. only ever see, like, one room, I guess, don't you? It's just, like, the living room, dining room area? You do, but there is one shot. So, like, the the exterior store, I should say, is made oh, to look like uh, the Psycho house. And there's one shot uh, of it that's kind of from more of a low angle. That's the how you see the Psycho house in Psycho um, oh. that looks like um, their house. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the hill, yeah. I'm looking at a comparison now. Yeah, that's, yep, that's it. That's it. (laughs) Wow. That's really cool. Tons, tons of references in this movie. Very postmodern movie in that way where they are just constantly referencing other stuff. But uh, Neil, I think it might be time for us to uh, read the back of the case. What do you think? It is time, Mike. And I have the nice poofy case here, the DreamWorks case from when we were kids. I guess it might be the same type of case that Harrison had. So I'll read the back of it right now. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Superb family fun, unlike anything ever seen on the big screen. Chicken Run is the year's most original comedy, hailed by critics and audiences alike as magical entertainment for all ages. While the chickens on evil Mrs. Tweedy's farm dream of a better life, a clever hen named Ginger is hatching plans to fly the coop for good. The only problem is, chickens can't fly, or can they? Every escape attempt goes foul until Rocky, a smooth-talking all-American rooster, crash lands into the coop. It's hardly poultry in motion when Rocky attempts to teach Ginger and her fine-feathered friends to fly, but with teamwork, determination, and a little bit of cluck, the fearless flock plots one last daring attempt in a spectacular bid for freedom, featuring unforgettable characters, incredible animation, an all-star voice talent. This instant classic from the Academy Award-winning creators of Wallace and Gromit is extraordinarily funny for the whole family. There's about 50 chicken puns on the back of this case, I was guys. I was about to say this was probably one of the punniest things I've ever heard in my life. I can picture, like, just some dude writing this giggling like an idiot while he's writing it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I love that. Well, Harrison, our last question to you before we let you go is, what do you want to see in the Chicken Run sequel? What are your predictions before it comes out? What do I want to see or what am I going to see? Ooh, okay. Um, What do you think, Neil? What, what, do, have you already seen Chicken Run 2? Do you know what we're going to get? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think I think it comes out in a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, December 15th, I think, is the yeah. actual release date. So yeah. two weeks have, from when this episode goes live, I think, roughly. I don't know. I don't want to be a pessimist, but I don't think it's going to be good. It's I know a lot that of new voice actors. I know it so sounds like that. a very like boring like answer or take, but I don't have high hopes about this. Like, there's... 
none of the original voice cast is coming back, which I guess that that makes sense. Well, maybe there could be a couple. Some but of them I don't, are, but, a few. Yeah, yeah, but but there's uh, like the like Ginger's not coming back. She and yeah. there's Mel Gibson for obvious Obviously. reasons. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's okay. Mel Gibson's a beaver now. He's not a, a rooster. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. the, uh, yeah, I don't know. And like with the Netflix like money behind it and everything, yeah. I I don't know. Like I, I hope they prove me wrong and it's a good sequel. Um, but it's just, I feel like it's just been so long mm-hmm. from the first one and kids are going to be like, what, like, what is this? But I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be that great. What would I like to see? Mm. I saw the premise and it was, they're trying to go to like another like bird sanctuary or something like that, because I think Mrs. Tweedy's coming back. Um, so they're on the run again, but I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to to see what happens, I'd like to see more more war between yeah. <laughs> uh, between the chickens and. I want to see Mrs. a D Day invasion. Like, I want to see chickens. a battle because you know we did see that kind of at the end where all the hens uh, tackled Mister Tweety, mm-hmm. which uh, they again they could have done this earlier. <laughs> yeah, that- you know, again just like something else. But anyways, and then obviously we see Mrs. Tweety and Ginger kind of like fight at the end on the on the plane there. So I'd like to see you know some more chicken human human combat there i agree a little more animal farm in the warring i think would be cool yeah i think so too you know kids these days i don't want it to be filled with like and it's gonna happen like full of like you know newer references or like tiktok jokes or you know whatever but yeah i i don't know i I, i'm 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 feeling it's not gonna be great but (laughs) again uh is nick park behind this or did he just kind of like lend his characters to netflix do do we know this i i should have done some research here i'm but. on i'm on the imdb right now it's directed by sam fell writer carrie kirkpatrick john o'farrell rachel tunner it's like i think they produced it like it's got a lot of like nick park's name is on it obviously and the ardman animation name is on it um but i don't think he has quite as much work on it as he did back in the 90s on chicken run and wallace yeah. and gromit most mm. of the production that they do is always pretty good and it's usually pretty charming like they they have that charm that most of their movies have that they haven't gone away from in terms of comedy they usually don't do anything too modern like i don't think we're gonna see a tiktok dance or a Fortnite dance in this <laughs> i could be i could be, wrong. could be wrong um it is too bad that they couldn't get all the original cast back like they got most of them but they yeah they've recast ginger and rocky uh imelda staunton has come back as bunty uh, like they recast Fowler, I think they have Mac back. Babs is the same. Nick is the same. So a lot of like the side characters are the same, but we'll have to see. I haven't even seen the trailer yet. There is a trailer for Chicken Run 2, so I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to watch it for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll watch anything that these guys do because there's usually one or two things that are that are pretty funny. But uh, in terms of a story, I don't know. Like it, it's hard because like they've already escaped something once. Like I don't need I feel like it's going to have that issue of constantly feeling like you feeling like you need to one up like escaping from a chicken farm now we're escaping from a zoo then we're gonna have to escape from like it's like you don't have to keep escaping from things and i get that that's the point but like i i feel like they're gonna i guess that's jumping the shark i don't know but like it's just gonna constantly be one upping every 20 years we're gonna get them escaping from something else and it's just like i like it when it's just a simple chicken farm i think that that was cool um but i'll wait and see i'm gonna hold out my judgment until until i see it but it's on Netflix December 15th. It, it's it's like Mission Impossible. There's there's only so... I thought that was the only impossible mission, but no, there's like... It's like Final Fantasy. <laughs> there's like eight at this point. Like, yeah. 
could the mission be that impossible if you've done it like a, like eight times? But I don't know. It's yeah, it's clearly Correct. it's clearly possible, and yeah, we'll have to wait and see what Chicken Run Two brings us. And uh, yeah, you did mention that that Nick Park. Uh, I don't think Nick Park is really involved at all. Actually, Peter Lord is a producer on it. The original Chicken Run writers, though. Are, have come back to write it so that is at least nice and yeah we got about half the original cast so we shall see what happens uh i'm sure we'll do a little recap episode at some point uh talking about this and harrison you can come on you we can all voice our opinions on dawn of the nugget when it uh when it comes out but until we do then uh we'd like to obviously thank you for coming on harrison it's been a great time and uh we'd love to uh lend you this time to plug your own podcast because since you've come on this podcast you've uh, created your own with friend of the show marty yeah, I uh, well, thank you. Well, first off, I want to say shout out James Duhon, who played Scotty in, in Star Trek. <laughs> you know, got to gotta show some love there. Who's also Canadian, not Scottish. Yeah. Just fun fact for you there, if you didn't know. But yeah, no, front of the show, Marty and I were inspired by this podcast. And we started our own podcast called The Only Pod Ever, an Alexis on Fire podcast to talk about a band uh, that means a lot to us, Alexis on Fire. Uh, a Canadian band, and we want to discuss their place, not only in Canadian music, but in the alternative post-hardcore scene as well, too. Um, so we dive in each week, not only talking about albums, songs, but anything that is relevant to the band. So you can find us on you know, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also follow us on Instagram, at the only pod ever. So only thank you pod ever um great pod obviously we love what you guys do over there and uh and is it true that alexis on fire did the score to chicken run they they well they actually yeah they they did do Hmm. the uh, initial score (laughs) Ah. um but it was uh it was declined by uh steven spielberg and uh and david geffen they didn't Mm. they didn't want it because they weren't they weren't Geffen artists. What's funny is that that actually happened, but just not Alexis on Fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because because that happened, they Nick, uh, Nick Park and Peter Lord had a composer, and they 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 started some music for it. And yeah, Steven Spielberg and uh, DreamWorks did not want it. They wanted Hans Zimmer because they wanted Hans Zimmer to make it sound like their Great Escape. That was the whole idea. So, yeah, Harrison, you were right on the ball there. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I will I will say this as well too, just kind of going back to Chicken Run yes. because I had I had two things written down for for the show and and you can cut this out if you want. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But uh the Academy Awards, you know, they didn't have best animated film until 2002, right? Yeah. So, this movie came out in 2000. So, I started looking up, okay, like what other films came out in 2000? This would have been the clear winner. Okay. I want you to look up fil- animated films from 2000 and, and, and read out that list to me and tell me that Chicken Run wouldn't have won. <laughs> Let's hear it, Neil. So we got Emperor's New Groove, which is a good movie, but animation, no. El Dorado, or Road to El Dorado, have not seen it. Dinosaur, that movie is interesting. <laughs> interesting is that, interesting is a very nice word, Neil. I, I was... <laughs> that's, a, that's a trip, that movie, dude. Um... It's, then we got a bunch of random ones. We got Sinbad, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, a Scooby Doo movie. It's a lot of like made for TV films. The Little Mermaid two is in there. Sinbad, uh, a fun fact, one of the uh, biggest box office busts of all time. Uh, just a, I saw that movie in theaters, so I liked it. But I, I'm really glad you contributed to one of the, the biggest box office <laughs> know, busts right? of all time. 
It's not Mike's fault that that movie failed. That's exactly. for sure. But, no, you're no, totally no, right, no. Harrison. Chicken Run. If there was an animated uh, award for that for that year, I think easily is it would go to Chicken Run, like hands down. It wouldn't even be a contest, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to have seen all these films to 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 say that. As much as I love Rugrats in Paris, um, <laughs> Chicken Run is a bit more impressive to me. I agree. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the last thing, Mike, uh, Mike knows I'm a huge fan of the app Letterboxd. Um, I, I punch in all the films I watch there. If, if you don't have Letterboxd, it's a great app. Uh, they're not paying me to say this, but I like reading the reviews and, and comments. And, and some people take it really seriously and write in-depth reviews. Obviously, I'm not here for that. Um, I looked up Chicken Run and someone said, uh, if this had been a live-action film about women in a World War II POW camp, Glenn Close would have died of tuberculosis in it. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that I was like, you know what? Done. Yeah, perfect. Love it. Great. Jesus. And she would have won the Academy Award for it, too. So. Of, of course. Of course. Yeah. Let's, let's give Glenn Close her Academy Award. Let's make Chicken Run into a uh, major motion picture as a live action movie. That's going to. Ooh, yeah. I would support that. I don't. Yeah. Screw this nugget, Chicken Nugget sequel. I want live action uh, uh, Chicken Run. Live action clay. I, I mean, in a way, it is live action. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I want Glenn Close, like, just, <laughs> like, draped and drowned in, in clay. Like, they have to wear clay and outfits feathers. <laughs> and feathers. Yeah. It's gonna look like cats, but with people with chickens instead of cats. So, if- oh, I you know speaking speaking of giving money to bad films, I've actually given money to cats. So good. <laughs> yep, yep. Taylor Swift needed. Your, I think Taylor Swift is in that movie. She needed your money, Harrison. So oh thank yeah, you so yeah. much for supporting that yeah, cause. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really love talking about Chicken Run with you, and uh, good luck on your podcast as well. Everyone out there, go and check out the Only Pod Ever, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure. See you later. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Harrison, so much for coming on. Uh, great insights about Chicken Run. Love his uh, love his memories. Love uh, uh, love his comparisons for other 2000s movies. It would absolutely win Best uh, Animated Feature. I can't believe that they took that long to make Animated Feature uh, an Oscar winner. 2002. That is, that is absolutely ridiculous, uh, considering the history of, of animated movies has gone back like 80 years at that point. But um, yeah. nevertheless, we uh, are going to see Chicken Run to Dawn of the Nugget. And Neil, I didn't actually get to see what my uh, per- personal things are, or uh, my personal thoughts are about uh, what is going to happen in that movie. Yeah, I was going to say, Harrison and I got a chance to talk about it. I, I still don't really know. Like, I didn't have a good idea of what to do with Chicken Run. I feel like it has been too long. I think Harrison did say that. Like, 23 years is way too long for a sequel to an animated kids film. Um, So in terms of a plot, I don't know what to do. I don't like the idea of one-upping it. I would prefer them do, honestly, an entirely new franchise, personally. I know that they have done that, but I would rather they just keep doing that. But yeah, what what is your idea for, for Chicken Run 2, Dawn of the Nugget? Well, I mean, I was also on that fence, too, of like, they should just make a, a new franchise. I'm not really sure where this fits into like everything. And and I and like we said earlier, I think it's insane the fact that this movie made 250 million dollars and did not get a sequel. Like it had, it's got to be one of the highest grossing animated movies to not get a sequel. Uh, which is, I mean, obviously the highest grossing stop motion uh, movie at that point. But that was that was crazy that it didn't have anything coming after it even these movies will get like i mean it's disney usually right so they make little tv series or like directed direct to dvd <laughs> movies <laughs> all those lion king one and a halfs and lion king two and such but no i i think for me the 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 best way 
to do this would would almost like start over of it like just show the kids um rather than having like the adults back i mean maybe like i would have like a couple of the adults as cameos but i would i would literally try and make it like 20 years later well or whatever in chicken years <laughs> like yeah. like make it make it quite a bit later um i think i think you could do it with a whole new cast a whole new like area with just cameos and use other animals is my big thing i think what makes this movie really funny are the other animals like the like the dogs and the rats obviously i think maybe them winding up on a farm with pigs and sheeps and and horses and stuff uh i think that would be pretty cool uh, to see sean the sheep can make a (laughs) make a cameo appearance or something but that's that's really where i would see it going would just like be bringing in more farm animals into the mix that's not a bad idea. I'd almost make it like a babe movie or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the new movie is supposed to take place literally right after the first movie ends, which I also find a little bit jarring. But yes. I guess you can't easily make a chicken movie take place 23 years they're later all dead. and pretend like, <laughs> like their grandchildren's grandchildren are dead by now, basically. I don't know, actually, how long a chicken lasts. But, Mike, while well, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to start at my own chicken farm so I, too, can get rich on uh, making chicken pot pies – why don't let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 42 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. On episode 42, we are talking about Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, a classic SNES game, very late game, coming out in 1996 that has miraculously been remade for the Nintendo Switch, just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, honestly, still in shock that this game exists in the wild again uh never thought that would happen that's that's one that i never had on my bingo card so very very cool that we have it on switch we're going to talk about the original game of course but we will inevitably inevitably be talking about the new game as well and compare the two uh friend of the show cam will be joining us uh his first non-zelda episode so we're really excited to have him on to talk about something that is not zelda but something that is very near and dear to his heart he has played the the old one and is currently playing the new one right now so he'll have lots to say on the topic next week Sweet. I love Super Mario RPG, and I love the franchise that it influenced and spawned with Paper Mario. I did play Super Mario RPG way after it came out back in 2018, I believe. Uh, was not a RPG fan, as we've talked about a bunch as a kid. So um, it's a game that people talk about to this day on in a sea of SNES, JRPGs, and RPGs. It's amazing that, you, like you said, Mike, this game is getting a remake this year, and it looks fantastic. I'm really excited to pick it up on Switch eventually, so it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about that game with you next week. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 41 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with our new Q&A feature. Thank you so much to everyone who supported our show on Patreon this year. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Mr. Tweety, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye, Captain. Bye-bye. We got a Klingon captain. If you saw chickens getting organized for a revolution, would you would you panic? Or would you run? Or would you try and stop them? No, I think I, I'd panic. I'd get the hell I think, out of there. I think, yeah, I think that's that's a symptom of a wider a wider cause that's going on. It's like uh, in Rick and Morty when um, uh, Morty's walking along and the squirrel like he can hear the squirrels. Oh yeah, uh, talking. 
<laughs> and they're like, little boy, hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would, I would be like Marty and just start running away. The unlocking holds so much leverage on us over all the crap show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Yeah, I think I was produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level AJ Olson11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly027, and Way Overrated.